You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, January 27th. My name, of course, as always, your host with sometimes the most, Javier Reyes. Of this year, Lockdown Padres podcast, guys, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Be sure to hit me up on either of those two accounts with any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, whatever, whatever it is on those two accounts, and I'll do my very best to respond to you and get back to you. I always love hearing back from the listeners, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Be sure to go do that, guys. And for today's episode, I know that I promised that we were going to get into and finish the top 20 moments of the 2020 Padres. But... Guys, I wanted to instead talk about two very important things. One that happened over the weekend and one that happened last night. The first thing is Jerkson Profar has been re-signed. AJ Preller hit me with the gum gum gatling to my face and then drown my my whole body in one of those tubes where they put the entire pirate ship in a bottle somehow, leave my remains in that bottle and then hold it in some safe, some winery for the rest of eternity. That was, I'm super excited to talk about Jerks and Profar uh, re-signing with the Pirates for three years, $21 million. We're going to talk about that right now. And then in the second half of the pod, we're going to quickly discuss the Hall of Fame kind of content controversies that's going on right now in baseball just give my like two cents on the whole issue because that's the thing that's governing all of baseball and I feel like is important no matter what we are talking about here on this Padres podcast I feel it is important but let's get into it let's talk about Jerickson Profar you know early listeners of the podcast right remember that I was a little bit I was a little bit mean to little Jerickson Profar I called him at one point this is true hey when you're wrong you're wrong I called him the most entertaining automatic out ever because two and a half like three weeks into the season he was batting like 200 he wasn't hitting for I mean he hit like a home run or two every now and then but he he just wasn't very good and then not to mention he wasn't the greatest at second base and then, of course, he moves to the outfield, and then he quietly, basically kind of at the the same pace, at the same moment that the Padres, the, as a team, started to break out. Remember, they were 11-12 and 12 at one point, and then they went 22-5 and 5 or whatever it was in their last 27 games or whatever the, the crazy rate they were at, that Profar quietly in the background ended up batting a lot better and was one of the more reliable outfielders, at least in terms of just at the plate, uh, that the team had, which is what's crazy. Uh, it's really crazy considering they had Trent Grisham and Will Myers have such productive seasons. Just in terms of his slash line last year, he batted 278, 343 on base, and a 428 slugging. Obviously, that slugging is not too great. He did finish with seven home runs, but still do not be fooled by that. He does not hit for a lot of power. In fact, according to StatCast, his hard hit percentage is the seven, he's only he's at the seven percentile uh, in terms of his hard hit percentage and his exit velocity is at the twenty three percent percentile bearer percentage at ten percent. Uh, so yeah, basically just from that perspective, Jerson Profar is not a power guy. But here's the thing about the signing. I don't really think that that matters. What I talked about um, back when my whole offseason wish list wasn't completely upended by AJ Peller deciding to trade for like nine 
people, not trade for nine people, but for it to sign um, uh, Hassan Kim and then trade for Blake Snell and you Darvish. Basically, all about everything on my awfully delicious list. If you guys go back and listen to that, it's kind of hilarious to listen to. It's actually kind of funny <laughs> just seeing how not wrong I was, but how low end I was. I was asking for bare minimum stuff because, in fairness, the Padres historically, it's not like they're they're. This isn't like something they do regularly. This is something the Yankees or the other big market teams tend to do. They tend to make all the big splashes, but instead, the Padres are one of those teams now. They are now one of the top 10 in payrolls in baseball, which is an absolutely ludicrous thing to say, obviously, which is being inflated a little bit by Manny Machado. But this deal, three years, $21 million, an average annual salary of $7 million. I liked it. I liked the deal because... There's there's a couple things. There actually are some pros and cons to the deal. First of all, it's also, you know, in fairness, this was kind of Profar's best season that he's kind of had. And I know some people might say, you know, oh, well, that's that's what you should do. You know, bounce on it while you can. He is only still 27 years old. He's about to be 28 in February. Um, but I still like it. He is young enough. He is young enough to say, hey, maybe this is what we'll get from him for the rest of the year. And he is the type of platoon, you know, just bench guy. I like that they went and signed a guy that they like too. That that this is a guy who played well for the team. Um, I'm so happy for the guy. I remember Jerickson Profar once upon a time was one of the top prospects in all of baseball. And while he's never really measured up to that, and I doubt he's ever going to, uh, this is the type of team that could really use a Jerickson Profar. Some people might say, "Oh, I really wish he could go and do that 20 home run power that he exhibited in Oakland or especially Texas." when he hit with the 335 on base versus the 301 that he hit in Oakland. But my response to that is, I actually don't think that matters. If Jerickson Profar only hits like 15 home runs, I don't really care. If Jerickson Profar is just a singles, doubles type of guy who plays adequate defense, considering, you know, which, which is surprising by a low-key storyline of the Padres last season, Jerickson Profar played pretty decent in left field uh, after Tommy Pham got hurt and then Jake Cronenworth, we are not Cronenworthy, stepped up really big at second base so that allowed the whole transition to happen. And as I mentioned with the power numbers, think about it. This team already has plenty of power. You've got Tatis and Machado. You've got hopefully Will Myers back next year. I mean, even when Will Myers hasn't been good, he already has that type of, you know, home run ability. Remember, don't sleep on Tommy Pham bringing back his 20 to 25 home run type of power. If Eric Hosmer and the launch ankle is legit, maybe he all of a sudden could be a 25 to 30 home run guy. I don't know. I'm just saying he was kind of on that pace, especially when you take into account he didn't play uh, all the games this season. They just brought in Hassan Kim, so this is not a team that is in desperate need of having guys that can knock balls far into the outfield and, and drive guys in. This is the type of signing, this is the type of team that does not necessarily need that. That's the luxury of it, and that's the luxury of the position that the Padres are in right now. So I'm really happy about the signing. And also, admittedly, is it a statistical thing? No. Is it like the type of thing that you should always be judging players based off of, but... No, that's not true, but I really just like the guy. I mentioned, you know, backhand the compliment, but like I said before, I called him an entertaining out. Like I said, backhand the compliment, I understand. It was, it's really mean, and I regret it immensely, but he's really entertaining. Remember that walk-off that he had against the, the Rockies back earlier in the year? Or not earlier in the year, it was... It feels like early in the year now because time doesn't make sense anymore. But towards the end of the season, back in September, when he had that walk-off hit on Labor Day, it was so exciting. You can tell him and Tatis have a nice kinship with each other. It's really fun, and I really like that they brought him back. I know that I mentioned that I would have been interested in Brad Miller as a utility guy who could play infield and outfield, but I really like what Profar has done, and I'm rooting for the guy. I'm glad that he got a little bit of a contract, and he is young enough to say, hey, maybe this is going to be what he is. Is it going to be something that's outstanding? No, but if he can just get those numbers the same way, 278, 343, I don't even care about the slugging. 
I don't care. I really don't care. For this team, I do not care about the lack of slugging. That's a huge addition for the Padres and will be the type of guy that you need to to kickstart things, to be that spark plug in your lineup when everybody else is maybe not performing up so well. So in my opinion, really great news. And yeah, I'll 100% say that the Padres were wrong if Profar turns out bad and he's miserable for the next three years. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Yes, guys. And now before we transition to the next topic of the show, I need to talk to you guys about a real special thing. That is betonline.ag. You guys noticed the absolute malarkey that took place with the Buccaneers and the Packers. Tom Brady, once again, having everything go his way, throwing three interceptions and getting a call his way that they had not been calling at all uh, the entire game going his way. The Packers deciding, hmm, we have the MVP quarterback of the season. Let's not go for it on fourth down. That makes too much sense. Uh, I'm ranting a little bit because it has nothing really to do with the ad, but still, maybe you lost some money on that game because you're expecting things to make sense. Well, here's the thing, guys. When it comes to betting and all that stuff, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, I'm actually not going to talk about the Super Bowl. Instead, I want to talk about some Wednesday NBA action games that I'm really excited to watch tonight uh, are the Brooklyn Nets and the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks, the spread for them is plus six and a half, which I actually think is a little bit uh, high because I think they could really, really, really score if they want to on this Nets defense, which we've seen that the if the Cavs can score a, a crap ton of points on them, that I think Trey Young, we might do for the oh, we might be due for the oh my God Trey Young game where he puts up like 45, 13, and 10, uh, even though I don't necessarily know if Trey Young is all that good. He definitely can put up the put up some scoring numbers that, that make your eyeballs pop every now and then. Uh, I'm really excited for Mavericks and the Jazz. The Utah Jazz are minus two and a half. I think that actually might be a little bit low of a line. And the return of Chris Paul back to the Thunder. It's not like there's any bad blood or anything there, but that game should be interesting uh, in its own right, I guess a tiny bit, just because I really like watching the Suds. The Suds are minus seven and a half for that game. Uh, but remember, guys, you want to check out the rest of the lines for uh, all these games and whatnot. There's only one place that has you covered that we trust that is betonline.ag don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts and now i got to talk to you guys about my favorite thing my favorite protein bars in the world they are called the old built bars i love these things guys and first and foremost you know they are covered in 100% chocolate we've discussed this many times before or if you're hearing it for the first time they're soft and easy to chew as well but one of my favorite things about built bars guys is that they are so varied in the amount of flavors they have they have 12 original flavors coconut almond raspberry german chocolate peanut butter banana bread mint brownie salted caramel double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie. Wow, that's a whole lot of flavors. And even if those don't sound all that appetizing, trust me, I thought the same thing with something like mint brownie and maybe even toffee almond didn't exactly excite me, but I love these flavors. They were super, super good. And they have six amazing new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And I have tried those, officially those amazing new flavors. And let me tell you, apple almond crisp, and Cherry Barcia, man, those things did it for me, especially Apple Almond Crisp, which is probably my favorite of all the 18 flavors combined that Built Bar has. Uh, and of course, 
obviously they are protein bars guys so they're great and healthy for you they are great for the keto diet thanks to high fiber high protein low sugar and a low amount of calories so what are you waiting for guys how does this not sound delicious and appetizing to you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order remember that is promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com and now transition out of that little ad segment there, guys. I'm going to now talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame because we just finished talking about Profar. Love him. Love him to death. Uh, I think he's one of the more uh, like underrated heroes, I guess, of the Padres right now. A type of player that only Padres fans that follow the team uh, routinely, I think, will really understand and be able to emphasize just how much fun it was having him on the team this year. And it's a nice little story. It really is. I think it's actually a really nice story that he's managed to have a little bit of a comeback considering all the injuries he's had and how much of a fall from prospect, former top prospect grace that he had at the beginning of his career. But now I want to talk about the Hall of Fame thing last night. And here's the thing. There was a lot of like comments I saw. Baseball Twitter discourse was on one last night. And I actually would hate to see what baseball Twitter discourse would have looked like if the big story, Kurt Schilling, had made it to the Hall of Fame. He missed it by 16 votes. Firstly, let's talk about him. I genuinely am one of those people, and and some people might criticize me for this. I have vacillated a little bit going back and forth between should the character stuff matter uh, for when we're deciding someone to make the baseball Hall of Fame. And while I haven't necessarily come to a strict, like, firm stance on it, I do believe it should. Here's my thing. Some people, you know how all the time when you listen to, like, NBA podcasts, they're always like, well, this person, Sean Marks, uh, I'm just naming a random player, I don't even know. Sean Marks is, I don't even think that was a player, I forgot, but... You know, these these players that they're saying, this person got in, so why can't Andre Iguodala get in? Well, I translate that. Let's take the, the, the whole statistical and them as an NBA basketball player, and let's now flip it and say, well, why should just because we have some racist and bad people in the Hall of Fame necessarily equate to, well, let's have some other bad people? And yes, that is what Kurt Schilling is, guy. guys. This is a dude who absolutely was in approval of the Capitol storming riots that happened many weeks ago. Not many weeks ago, unfortunately. I mean... Dear God, that was awful. I'm not going to get into that too much. He's, you know, been on the front line before of really controversial and awful topics and bigotry, you know, be saying it's awesome, this shirt that someone was wearing that said, you know, that was basically threatening to lynch journalists, which isn't great. Um, or I should say hanging journalists. Uh, that's awful. And he's been transphobic. He's been racist. He's been homophobic. He's been, he's been basically every, I would honestly say that Kurt Schilling is, one of the bigger bigots we have in all of sports, I'd say, that we've had in, like, years. Um, and one of the conversations has been, should that exclude him from the Hall of Fame? Now, again, I don't want I want to be careful here because I do want to say I have vacillated between this. I do kind of understand when people are like, I want to keep it to baseball stats. How was he in baseball? But to that, I say my earlier point about how, you know, just because we have some bad people in the Hall doesn't mean we should have more. And my thing is, like, what's... If we're making these character judgments about steroids and what they do for you as a player, you know, and all these things, and then why can't we also do that for Kurt Schilling? So that's my where I've landed on that kind of uh, aspect. And my thing is, as a people, I think we evolve in anything. I think that we get better in a lot of ways, and we should look always to improve. So maybe let's all decide, you know what, the Baseball Hall of Fame should be a place where not only do we celebrate the greats of the sport, but we also be like, hey, if you've crossed the line to some degree, then you don't deserve to belong in there. And admittedly, I know some people might be thinking, what is that imaginary line? Which I agree is one of the reasons why I am not one million percent 
uh, on board with the character clause judgment. Some people have convinced me of it, and some people have convinced me the other way. I'd say that I'm like 80-20, you know, maybe 80-20, maybe 70-30 on this issue. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. The second thing is just in general, this is something I'm 100% on. Hall of Fame voters need to stop being kind of so full of themselves, and it's it's got a pretentious aspect to it. And what I don't like is this. What I don't like is that Kurt Schilling, if you're one of those people who I, I, I disagree with you, I really kind of strongly disagree with you, if you're not using the off-the-field stuff to judge his Hall of Fame caliber, and your thing is, I think he was a great pitcher, which I think he's kind of like a borderline Hall of Famer in that respect. I think he's, he's, he's worthy uh, for sure, especially since his peak was so, so good, and he had some pretty legendary moments for the Red Sox uh, with the whole bloody sock thing and all that, and bringing them their first, helping to bring them their first World Series title. Like that, that I feel like, you know, me, I don't like just looking at sabermetrics all the time. Moments like that do, I think, lend more credence to your Hall of Fame um, candidacy. But I don't agree with people who are, they voted, they were voting for him. Already, but then when the journalist comment happened, which is about like 2016, I think is when this happened, when he thought it was awesome that someone was wearing a shirt that says journalists and rope, great combination, and a tree, great combination, something like that, right? And then the voters decided not to vote for him then. I was like, okay, wow, he really broke in. People said no. But then those people that voted no on him then voted for him yes, like later, like years later. That I don't vibe with. If you want to say no, character matters for me, you stick with it. If you want to say character doesn't matter, you can't be all flip-floppy and then say, oh, this is where I draw the line now at the Capitol storming. You know, his comments on on the, the that, that insurrection that happened at the Capitol, that that was what broke the line for me. Not the racism, not the homophobia, not the transphobia, not the xenophobia, not, the blah, 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 not all the phobias, you know what I'm saying? So that comes off as incredibly just... Uh, like not self-aware in my opinion anyway and speaking of not being self-aware of course naturally there was a lot of uh takes yesterday for baseball writers in the industry i'm not gonna like start slamming people i don't really like doing that necessarily on this podcast just burp there or not even burp i had one of those weird like half hiccup things like not even half like quarter hiccup things anyway uh there was some little you know discourse on mlb yesterday because there was one piece by uh mark craig of the athletic and he basically kind of wrote about you know why he felt crummy about his hall of fame ballot and that he spoke to a neuroscientist uh about it and why he was having self-doubt and all that stuff and it kind of you know sent ripples throughout the baseball community people were like what are you talking about for once you're having to feel bad about something how do you think we feel and hannah kaiser who i love by the way who i love uh said it's extremely bleeping funny i can't say that you know effing funny that we get a whole hall of fame discourse cycle out of men experiencing self-doubt and moral ambiguity for i guess the first time ever a point that I kind of agree with. I really like Hannah Kaiser. And Mark Craig responded to that saying, It's extremely effing funny to me to be so privileged as to believe that a person of color working in this white-ass business is experiencing self-doubt for, I guess, the first time ever. Another response that I think was very apt. Hopefully, I hope that there's no super beef between those two, but I thought that was a great point by Mark Craig. Don't assume as a person of color uh, and that I have never experienced self-doubt before. All of you guys know I'm a Puerto Rican guy. I won't delve into it uh too much, but I will say, let's just say, uh, white America does have its ways of making you feel down about yourself if you're a person of color. Uh, very often, I'd say. So I do resonate. That message really resonated with me. But basically, what I'm trying to say is, there's clearly like a fractured view, a clearly a fractured uh, hierarchy, like weird system that's going on with the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's very outdated, in my opinion. I think that there's just so much. 
it, it's elitist, yes, but and and in some ways, being elitist and having your specific hall, you know, baseball writers association, I get it, but. It just seems to not be working. There seems to be so many inconsistencies, and it feels like we need to clear these things up. We need to clear up what exactly the Baseball Hall of Fame requirements are, what exactly are should you be taking character into account. If we do, make that official. Don't make it that we have some writers that do, some that we don't. It just feels like it's... It feels like it's leading to more, good, more bad than good in a lot of different ways. So really, that's all my thoughts on that. I'm not like some super expert on the issue. I am not a Hall of Fame voter by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a writer, but not a Hall of Fame uh, writer who gets to, to vote on these things. But clearly, it is a situation I recommend everybody reading up on and staying more in tune and understanding that there's a lot of people who definitely are annoyed at this idea that people are finally like, having to wonder if they have to dare use off the field issues and vice versa and just a lack of diversity I think in the people who vote for these things in the first place because you don't really not that there's a diversity in the other sports but at least I know for sure you don't have these same type of issues and you know inconsistencies inconsistencies uh, as the Hall of Fame does and say the NBA and the NFL. Uh, but yeah, guys, that was uh, that is my thoughts on all of that. A jerks and profar on the Hall of Fame chicanery and nonsense that's going on as we reach the final moments of this podcast, guys. You know, we're covering everything you know need to know about the Padres and jerks and profar and the Hall of Fame writing. Uh, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with the Locked On Today podcast it's hosted by the great one the legendary one peter bukowski and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes get that in under 20 minutes subscribe guys to the locked on today podcast wherever you get your podcast from i may appear on those as well it's kind of this network-wide coalition where each each local host will make appearances and stuff uh depending on what the breaking news is so that may include me because lord knows aj preller he ain't messing around that guy could trade for another picture tomorrow he may trade while by before i even get this podcast up for all we know so i uh for sure will be uh making appearances on that it's really good i really recommend it guys it's an awesome new project and in terms of what's to be expected of this year uh, podcast. Like I said, uh, decided because over the weekend and last night to halt the top 20 uh, Padres moments of the 2020 Padres, uh, we'll be getting back to that tomorrow and Thursday. And then on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, we'll post the final five uh, of that. I just wanted to get this pod out of the way. Uh, not out of the way, but I just wanted to do this pod because I thought it'd be really fun to, to just talk about this stuff and, you know, Keep you up to date on all the new Padres stuff. I know I didn't do the the Profar news when it first happened. Uh, I was doing stuff. What can I say? I was doing stuff. And we are three episodes a week. Uh, and then also, like I said, in the bank, Stacey Gatsoulias of Lockdown Yankees, who's awesome. Go send her some awesome reviews on Apple, by the way. Do be sure to cheer her up. She's doing really great things over there at Lockdown Yankees. Going to be talking about the CC Sabathia documentary. I've got a super long and fun chat with Millard Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks that breaches into all things baseball in the NL West. And it is super fun. It's super long. And I'm really hoping that you guys uh, will enjoy it. Uh, I've got a chat with Josh Neighbors of Lockdown Nationals that I may post. Got all sorts of stuff, guys. We really do. I, I cannot stress enough that there's plenty of content to come and with that all being said guys that about does it for today's edition of the locked on padres podcast the only pod that may be better than the padres themselves remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from stitcher spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, himalaya overcast wherever 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 you want to do it and while you're at it uh give me some five-star reviews on the old podcast the uh, apple podcast app uh, i'd be greatly appreciative of that make sure to send some way uh the locked on yankees way as well with stacy she's 
killing it over there. Send her some five-star reviews. Remember to follow the show or myself on Twitter at LO underscore Padres or at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.